Hello, everyone. We welcome you to our Saturday morning Bible study on this gorgeous, snowy, beautiful day in Plainfield. We're so glad you could join us. And we are recording from, yes, the Plainfield Christian Science Church Independent, Plainfield, New Jersey, the United States of America. And we're so happy that you can spend time with us on Saturday morning. And our moderator today is Luann from New York. Morning, everyone. Start out by reading a passage from the pastor's message to the Mother Church on the occasion of June Communion, 1898, in Science vs. Pantheism, by Mary Baker Eddy. Just unison with nature, mortals are hoping and working, putting off outgrown, worn out, or soiled garments. The pleasures and pains of sensation and the sackcloth of waiting for the springtide of soul. For what a man seeth he hopeth not for, but hopeth for what he hath not seen, and waiteth patiently for the appearing thereof. The night is far spent, and the day is not distant in the horizon of truth. Every, even the day when all people shall know and acknowledge one God and one Christianity. It's a wonderful quote. Thank you. Mm-hmm. What does that word unctuous mean? <laughs> no one knows. Well, it means that it's got some fervor and some animation and liveliness to it. Hmm. Well, I don't know. That's not what I found, but maybe that's true. I I found oily, false spirituality. Interesting. Someone look it up. (laughs) Well... Oily, greasy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oily, greasy, false spirituality. And there is a sense of oil. Mm-hmm. Right. We think it has more. But there's a word, too. I think what Bruce was saying, I, I've heard it used that way before. Unction. Let me see. Maybe there's no such thing. Yeah, that might be a different word. Unction. Mm-hmm. Unction is doesn't. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think that's a different word than unctuous. Mm-hmm. And she was very specific with her words. I I just, you know, one thing I thought of in unctuous unison with nature. So with the oily false spirituality, you know, a, a lot of people and and I'm not really being critical about this, but they're they're spirit they're all spirituality. They don't like religion or church or anything like that, right? But they they like nature. And and they can be very fervent about that too um but there's something to me you know that that, okay if that's what you like but it seems a little superficial to me after understanding christian science because they come to worship the things in nature yes there's that story in africa i just read it that the the when they were having trouble the tree always lived and they got to worship the tree instead of God. And then when missionaries came in, they prayed about it and the tree left. And the people then turned to to, to God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yep. Yeah, we don't worship, there's a word for that, worshiping nature. Um, it's a form of idolatry, actually. Well, it, it is. It's beautiful. We love the beautiful expressions of God, but we don't worship that. We worship God. So, anyway, those were some of my thoughts about that. I don't know if anyone else has any. Well, it may be the unctuous referring to oil. She refers to the oil of inspiration. It may be referring to people who are looking for inspiration in nature. 
and not finding it in what they see. I found an, another definition of um, unctuous having, revealing, or marked by a smug, ingratiating, and false, earnest, false earnestness or spirituality. Yeah, what I found was not a, a complimentary <laughs> description. Not at all. No, not at all. Not at all. So I don't, Luann, what do you have to say about this? Um, well, I didn't really look up the word unctuous, but I was thinking that a lot, a lot of things we just uh, settle for and, and take for granted with nature and the, and the cycle of life. And we just sit back and say, well, this is it, you know? Mm-hmm. Mrs. Eddie does say that nature teaches grand lessons. So that's how I look at nature, is that what is it teaching me about God? Not that it's a cause, it's an effect. Um, but And God obviously is the creation of it, but what is what I'm seeing teaching me about God? But it's not in what I'm looking at. Thank you. Yes, that's the right way to look at it. If if it lifts you to the higher, to the higher God, then it, it's something. It's not that you are worshiping the item or the tree or the whatever, but it inspires you to see God's greatness. That to me, I don't see. Yeah, that that's wonderful, and we all do love nature and the beauty of it. Absolutely. It speaks of God to us. Zazetti yeah. said that in questions and answers when and flowers are high hieroglyphs of God. It says rocks are grand and noble ideas. They stand for wonderful um, things, but we just don't worship it. There's a big movement out there for that earth worship. Earth worship. I can't find the word I want there. I know what word I think you're thinking of. And it's, and it's hidden, actually, in preserving the hearth, but it's actually a big movement of worshiping nature. Mm-hmm. And it has no God in it. No. Or, or no credit to God. So it's the unctuous unison. Those looking for inspiration. Yeah. And then she goes on to say, for what a man seeth, he, he hopeth not for. Mm-hmm. But hopeth for what he hath not seen. I think she's referring to those who are looking for inspiration in nature and not seeing it in what they see. But looking beyond what they see. For as one person just said, for what nature can actually teach us about God. Yeah, and that sounds like a good explanation of this. <laughs> That's good. Well, it's from Christian Science versus Pantheism. Yeah, and maybe it's pantheism that right. teaches the love of, yeah, that you worship nature. Go ahead, Jeremy. Oh, I... I think it's an important thing for people to realize how deeply unfulfilled they are. I actually use that in my watches all the time because <laughs> I think if you if you feel generally that all is well, you will put up with a lot of stuff. I know I have in my life. So knowing that you're unfulfilled keeps you looking. Yeah. Keeps you yes. Searching. Well, and and also as much as we love nature, you know, then there's this other side that we see that everyone's so dismayed with, whether it's the Earthquakes, hurricanes, or animals eating each other, or all these, you know, every once in a while I would watch one of these planet Earth things, and it'd start out all right, and then you'd see see all these, I don't know, destructive things going on. Um, Well, it just goes to show that matter fails. Yeah, it does. Matter does not fulfill. And the lessons of uh, nature teach us to, actually do teach us to turn to God, (laughs) Because, for one thing, there's no life in matter. But then we look at nature and we think things grow. But how many of us look back and say, yes, this is God, who is life itself, showing us that, hey, I'm here, instead of just this material thing exclusively. It's no good. I 
I think the Indians had a great concept of nature. They called the, um, you know, lake the smile of the great spirit. Yes, they did see the beauty of it. And as Christian scientists, you know, it is what it is what we see, and we hold to that. And then we know this opposite that I just mentioned of it is not the truth. It's the mortal picture of it. She does go on and say that the night is far spent and the day is not distant in the horizon. Of truth. Of truth, yes. Um, I found um, that Jesus said in, in John eleven nine through 10, are there not 12 hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth because there is no light in him. I think it, it kind of ties in with that. We, we see, we have the spiritual sense of of the, our world and the sur- the surroundings. Yes. Yes. That's what our little weather committee knows. Right? <laughs> they know the spiritual sense. They see the Father's face in the clouds, as Mrs. Eddy yeah. did, and uh, knowing only the first creation. Behold, everything was very good. I think Matthew Henry um, kind of ties ties in with that and what Mrs. Eddy says here. <coughs> Writes, we are only zealous for our wealth, credit, ease, and safety. We have therefore need to try our principles, which to me means these things, try these things against principle with a capital P and see how they hold up. Matthew Henry continues on by saying, but our day shall be lengthened out till our work is done and our testimony finished. Man has comfort and satisfaction while in the way of his duty as set forth by the word of God and determined by the providence of God. Christ, wherever he walked, walked in the day, and so shall we if we follow his steps. If a man walk in the way of his heart and according to the course of this world, if he consults his own carnal reasoning more than the will and glory of God, he falls into temptation and snares. He stumbles because there is no light in him. That's good, thank you. And I think this this chapter, Christian Science versus Pantheism, makes the point that God is not a corporeal being. God is not in the matter. Yeah. We, what we see in nature is the manifestation of God's goodness, God's beauty, God's bounty. But it's not material, it's spiritual. Yes, which is contrary to the unctuous. unctuous. <laughs> well, the unctuous, I think, is the, refers to those who are looking for inspiration. And Mrs. Eddie, bless her heart, among all the things she was, she was also a poet. <laughs> and she loved alliteration. Yeah. Hey, so are we ready to get into this? Yeah. <laughs> sure. So. Okay, so our topic for today is For Everything There Is a Season. And this will be part one. Uh, given a given explanation of Solomon's poem, Ecclesiastes three one through eight, using references from Jesus's. That's how he brought light to each verse. So the, first, the first line is you're cutting out occasionally, Luann. So I'm not sure why. Make sure you're. In the same spot or holding your phone correctly. Hey, I haven't moved. <laughs> to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. Well, I thought maybe to start with Mrs. Eddy's 
definition of time in in science and health, just so we it's mortal measurements, limits, in which are summed up all human acts, thoughts, beliefs, opinions, knowledge, matter, error, that which begins before and continues after what is termed death, until the mortal disappears and the spiritual perfection appears. And then also, you know, the beautiful definition of year, a solar measurement of time, mortality, space for repentance, one moment of divine consciousness or the spiritual understanding of life and love is a foretaste of eternity. This exalted view obtained and retained when the science of being is understood would bridge over with life, discern spiritually the interval of death, and man would be in the full consciousness of his immortality and eternal harmony where sin, sickness, and death are unknown. Time is a mortal thought, the divisor of which is the solar year. Eternity is God's measurements of soul-filled years. So anyway, that's kind of a basis of this conversation. Remember, it's a human concept, time itself. So, Well, and also, let's keep in mind who wrote Ecclesiastes. Solomon. And he was lauded for being so wise, but he wasn't always that spiritual, was he? I mean, he. No. 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 He. he uh, well, he started off well. He started off really well, and he became extremely wealthy, and and. The, the nation Israel became extremely prosperous. But he, you know, he, he was surrounded by, you know, a lot of materialism. And he wrote a lot of what he wrote here in this Ecclesiastes is kind of his musings on the human condition. And, um, uh, You know, thinking thinking about God, but thinking about the human condition. I mean, it's not it's not as inspired as Jesus was. Which is why you know, um, Luann is connecting it to what Jesus is, Jesus said about it to bring out the spiritual nature of season or time. So. For every purpose. For every purpose, yes. So. The book of Ecclesiastes is Solomon's internal look at life on earth apart from Christ. The word Ecclesiastes, or Ohalet in the Hebrew, means preacher and is written to teach. Which is something we touched upon in our February 1st, 2020 Bible study about Jesus teaching and preaching in the synagogue. Chapter 1 and 2, he explores the meaning of life under the sun or separate from God and comes to the conclusion that all is vanity or hevel or emptiness. Exactly. He recognizes the cycle of life in nature and determines that there is nothing new under the sun. History repeats itself. He searches for more. He contemplates pleasure, joy, laboring, and death, and finds it all to be vanity. He speaks of the sorrow and vexation that comes from human will and man's wisdom and knowledge. He reasons and struggles to make sense of materiality and finds it to be purposeless and empty. All right. Kind of an overview of the first chapter. So, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. Well, God does have a plan for every one of us, doesn't he? And that plan, and that plan, that plan has to be manifest. That's why we're here. So, and it's, and it, and it's manifest in God's good time, not ours. Yeah. And it's manifest for his purpose. 
not ours. It's God's providence. And for how he wants it, not how we want it. One of the commentaries said, time is divinely appointed. I looked up season in the 1828 Webster's Dictionary, and the first definition is a fit or suitable time. I really like that. Yes, and you know that beautiful verse, um, I guess it's in Psalms, my time is in thine hands. And that's, thank you, Psalm 31. That was one we were always given when we were with child. (laughs) And, and, um, Mrs. Wilcox, in that beautiful article, The Power of a Right Idea, she, she brings out that we all have a purpose, just as Christ Jesus did, just as Mrs. Eddy did. We've all come on this earth. We always say when it's someone's birthday, what is it that we tell them? The day they were put here to, do, to serve God, oh, to yeah. do God's work. Right. Or, the day. Yep. Yeah. For his glory. The day, remember that if you don't know this, birthdays, the day you were put on this earth to do his work for his glory. To fulfill your divine purpose. Yeah, you're, you're, and we know here you have a divine destiny. What God would have you do. There's also what we say is a human destiny, which is the Adam dream. And that's just... From problem to problem. That's what this is talking about. You're born and you die, and everything in between is horrendous. So no one wants to be in the... Punctuous. Yeah. <laughs> no one wants to be there, so we, we are in the, our divine destiny. And in that, Mrs. Eddy quotes, or Mrs. Wilcox quotes Mrs. Eddy. Mrs. Eddy records her life pur- purpose, and we all know and love this. My life purpose is to impress humanity with the genuine recognition of practical, operative Christian science. And then she further says, drink with me the living waters of the spirit of my life purpose. And that's in Miscellaneous Writings, page 207. And then Martha Wilcox says, there's no doubt in Mrs. Eddy's mind that she had a definite purpose in her life to fulfill. And what this definite purpose was. No matter what others might do, this divine purpose was definitely fixed and established in her thought, and she knew that she must follow this definite direction in life in order to fulfill her divine purpose and give to humanity a visible proof of a practical operative science when applied to human affairs. And then she goes on about Jesus' definite life purpose. And then... Are we, as Christian scientists, awake to the fact that we, too, have a definite life purpose? Are we following a definite direction in life in order to fulfill this divine purpose? So, um, that is the spiritual, would be the spiritual interpretation of that first part. um, Time to be born and a time to die. Now, we know there is no death. We don't die. We live on. There's probably a time when it is time that you've done the work you needed to do here, and you walk out. Well, Matt, uh, Jesus cursed the fig tree, and it, it wilted and disappeared, so the death to air, I thought. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't fulfilling. There was a time for death there. <laughs> it wasn't fulfilling his purpose. No, and judge the trees by their fruits. By the fruits. If they're good or bad, accordingly. And right ideas have to be born in our consciousness, don't they? And wrong, old, false ideas need to die in our consciousness. That's putting on the new man and putting off the old man. I, I kept thinking of uh, where, with the season where Jesus talks to the Pharisees and he says, uh, when it's evening, you say it'll be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today for the sky is red and lowering. Oh, ye hypocrites, ye can discern the face of the sky, but can ye not discern the signs of the times? Okay, that's from Matthew 16. 
Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what does Mrs. Eddy say about history? It does not consist it needs of to be expunged. <laughs> Material history needs to be expunged. Be expunged. Yeah. yeah. And it is, but true history is in spiritual development, which which implies progress. Right. Yeah. And that's why, you know, it's so important, uh, you know, not to go around and around with your material history. Well, what happened to my ancestors or who was hurt when and where and all the injustices yeah. and um, what came from that? If there was spiritual progress. Um, yes, that that. Yes. But to, to go into your material history and dwell on it is is worse than useless and also worse than depressing <laughs> everyone we can all go around with all that stuff for our own lives and for everybody else's lives and just how miserable and horrible everything was and if i if that did you good please just do it every day <laughs> night and day <laughs> make yourself as miserable as you want to but as we know it does it does you no good so you glean what did you learn from those experiences what good and you dwell on that, and that is your spiritual history. And and there's much good. We've talked. I've talked about the biblical chain, the golden biblical chain that goes throughout the Bible. It's going through. It goes through history now. All the wonderful achievements that have been accomplished, the great strides toward um, justice, and unity, and everything good. All the the wonderful things that have transpired. There's any, what is that quote from the Bible, Bruce? If there's any, uh, if there's any, think on these things. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Think always said, life is, is a school. Yeah, Mrs. Eddy says life's a schoolroom. Mm-hmm. There be any virtue, there be any praise, Thank you. think on these things. Thank you. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise. Think on clear these description things. of the things you should be thinking about. Exactly. <laughs> so whenever anyone writes about to me at times about all this horrible history, maybe they need to tell me once, but then let's move on. Because if you get stuck there, it's not it's not good. It's not Christian science. You've got to see glean the good. Remember we talked about that word glean a few Bible studies ago. Get the good from it. And and that's true of your own so called history the history of our nation, the history of our world, the history of all nations. Kind of like shed some light on the idea of getting into a rut, a mental rut. Mm-hmm. You know, you think about the famous things and like Groundhog's Day, you keep repeating it. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus addressed this issue uh, when the Pharisees asked him why his disciples didn't fast. Gives me a picture of the Pharisees fasting merely as a sense of ritual. But then he went on to explain, you know, we can't be sorrowful when the bridegroom is here. You know, when you think of it, they had Jesus with them. Are they going to be stuck in a ritual, even a religious ritual, when they had a chance to learn from Jesus? So he, he broke down the ruts and moved on with spiritual progress like we were talking about earlier. Thank you. Yes. As did Mrs. Eddy. <laughs> yes. And absolutely. And that a time for this purpose, there was a purpose under heaven there. That's right. Mm. And and some of the, the trials we've gone through individually and collectively, there's been a purpose, lessons to be learned. That's why we're going through this period now that seems trying because there are lessons to be learned. And we'll keep, we'll keep, and going we'll keep through. having trials until we learn the darn lessons. Yes. <laughs> Not repeat the wrongs from the past, right? We don't need to come along with that. We know better. So. Exactly. Let's not repeat it. If you're always thinking about it, ten- your tendency probably is to repeat it. You're keeping it alive anyway. Go ahead, Florence. No, that's all I wanted to say, that we've learned, we're learning better God's way, the right way, so we can do better and not keep going back, repeating the wrongs that were in the past. No yeah. use for And the more we magnify the good, the more we will bring it into our experience. Yeah. The more, if you think people have been horrible and unjust to you, well, guess what? 
you're going to meet some horrible and unjust people because that's what you'll attract as you're thinking that about others. When you're knowing the truth about everyone, then you'll bring that into your experience as well. That's why the right way of knowing God is important. Then people can leave all the past and then move on with what's good. What God has done is all good anyway. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And you're bringing those people to no longer act in that manner as well. You know, that's a wonderful thing. Yes, you're healing the situation rather than keeping it going and going. Um, So, and and in passing on... When you have accomplished your purpose and it's time for you to go, you walk out. If you've been an evildoer and haven't learned your lessons and haven't repented, well, that's when you pass on and it's more of the same until you learn your lesson. There's no escaping it. No escaping it. So we don't have to try to be revengeful toward people. God's got a wonderful universe and he's figured it all out. <laughs> so, who was trying to speak? Anyone? Oh, so, Luann, do you want to take these one at a time, or how do you want to? Well, we've already we've already we've gone through. Two. No, mm-hmm. but the time to plant and the time to pluck. There's just I have to add something to that. Pluck up which is planted. Carrie found this most interesting article, which we will have to have in the Liberator. It's called Belligerence. <laughs> she said it reminded her me, which I don't know. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> quite an offhanded compliment. I'm not sure. Anyway, um, it, it goes along with think not that I come to send peace on an earth. I come not to send peace, but a sword. And um, says, nay more, most sol- solemnly, I'm quoting from this article, the Messiah once averred, I come not to send peace, but a sword, referring to the effect of his views, which war, war at variance with those of respectable representatives of both church and state. It is noteworthy that the Greek word here, translated send, means to cast out, scatter or sow and is elsewhere used in reference to scattering seed in the ground. Jesus, therefore, must have meant not merely that he should cause dissension, but that a crop of contentions would spring from the sword by him planted, and that the resultant troubles would, must, continue until mankind should outgrow the materialism which makes discord with spirit inevitable. All right. I like that. That's an awesome explanation. That's a great explanation. It is. And when I've, he, he, it's a, quite an amazing article. And it also goes along with this Ecclesiastes, which is kind of interesting. But um, yes. So you want to explain that to us, what I just read? Well, you, 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 <laughs> he was planting the truth which wars against false beliefs. And the truth that he was planting needs to be planted in every person's consciousness. It needs to spread until the war and the warfare will continue until all false beliefs are killed. So also clarifies the misconception that you know, he, he did these things intentionally to antagonize people. That is not a correct explanation. No. He, he did. did it because out of obedience to God and love for him and love for man. Because he would have loved to have seen man to be released from the things that were binding him. So he gave him the things that would indeed release him from this bondage. People tended to fight against them, but that was their response. But still, truth is true, and Jesus was the pure uh, messenger of this wonderful message. Thank you. And the, the warfare with oneself is grand. <laughs> right. And it reminds me of the, the quote, putting off outgrown, worn out, or soiled garments, that we have to keep going through the, our you know, thoughts and things that we 
assume that are true and we find as we find out that they're not or we find out more about God and understand more about him uh, then these false beliefs will gradually be outgrown worn out and soiled and we need to get rid of them and we'll see that they need to be gotten rid of rather Thank than you. hugging them around us <laughs> Thank you yeah. and Jesus I also oh, well this is Eddie's as in, in the textbook, Jesus rebuked, I don't know it exactly, but he, Jesus rebuked sinners yeah. pointedly and unflinchingly because he was their friend. He, was their friend. Yes. he did it to wake them up, to bless them. And that's the warfare that we feel. And, and so this and this is what's going on right now. It's gone on forever. It's the truth being scattered, the words of truth, and causing all this upheaval. So, oh, so good. It, it, is, it is very good because yes, because maybe for a while it just remained dormant. It, it always likes to work underground secretly, so you don't know it's working. Of course, the leaven of truth is always working too. So. Along with this planting and plucking up, um, what about the tares and the wheat? I was just going to say that. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. That, that just came to me was the tares and the wheat. You know, they grow side by side, and you can't take up the tares without pull. If you do it too early, you pull up the wheat sometimes when you're trying to take the tares up. It has to be at the right time. And then it's visible, it's easily vis visible which one is the tear and which one is the wheat. And then you can pull up the tears and, you know, to tr burn them, cast right. out what isn't, what is, what is the fake? You know, they look so similar when they're at, at one point, they look very similar, but then they start to look different and that's when you can separate them. But. And that's why it seems to be that error has to come out in its full bloom and ugliness and really show itself before it gets destroyed. People need to see it for what it's worth. And it's ugly when it comes out. But don't be dismayed. This is a good thing. And, and it needs, sometimes it needs time because people hide under the sweet words. Okay, another quote from this article, Belligerence. The utterances of, of Jesus were not always mild and soft as moonbeams. Scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites was a phrase he more than once hurled at his enemies. How shall you escape the damnation of hell, he asked them. Was not this belligerence? Such epithets as following are not soothing to the carnal mind devourers of wit of widows houses children of your father the devil generation of vipers skeptic once objected in conversation with dr channing I, he was some minister i guess that such language was wrong and opposed to the teachings of christ channing said let us read the chapter he accordingly read these denunciations in that calm spiritual way for which the great preacher was noted when he had finished, the doctor asked the infidel if he still felt that Jesus was so far out of the way and using such language. No, was the reply, not if he spoke in that tone. There is everything in tone, and by tone is meant motive, for it is the outcome of motive, of heart. Many a word which sounds gentle carries a barb within. Go away, you young scamp. May be so spoken as to sound like... Come hither, you little darling, <laughs> while come to my arms, dear angel, may interpret itself to mean, hence, you hag. <laughs> it all depends on tone and motive. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he, and so is his word. The thought gives color to utterance. So, this is why the tares and the wheat, sometimes you can't always discern. Let it just see, okay, who's thinking what and why and where? where is this going? Um, it's, it's a great way to tell who's who and what's what. <laughs> but if you rip them all up at first and think, oh, well, he said such loving things, he must be a good person. Well, not necessarily. Okay, 
Where's the motive? Sometimes these harsh words have good motives behind it, loving motives. But people say, oh, it's terrible. I know it's horrible. It's not How politically can say that. How can not politically say that? correct. Yeah, that was awful. <laughs> so anyway, we will know that we have you have to judge righteous judgments, words, let it all grow side by side, and we will see, and we are seeing who's who and what's what. It's great that God knows the hearts though, everyone's heart, so that's great. Mm-hmm. And that's the only that that's the only true judge is God. God knows the heart. Yes. We do not. We are incapable of it. Mm-hmm. Especially with all the all the bearing of false witness, shall I say, everywhere on all sides. Um, well, it's like the uh, equation we had that good intentions without wisdom equals right. evil. Yes. Yes. Good intentions. But you had to let it grow to see. Yes. Without wisdom. Without wisdom. Because, yeah, um, and that's often, what is it called, Um, unintended consequences. You know, a lot of people are zealous and and have great things they want to do. But if without wisdom, the unintended consequences can be horrific. It can be horrific. That's why wisdom is so essential. That's why this lesson this week is so essential. On wisdom, mind, it must accompany everything we do, wisdom. So that the right thing will be said at the right time, with the right thought, with love. Yes. It's the only time that it makes any difference anyway. Yes. If it's at the wrong time, it doesn't mean nothing, even in our own lives, I feel. Absolutely true. Um so important that we remember that and you know mrs eddy in prose work she speaks to that and this has to do with um seasons as well this is her article obedience according to my calendar god's time and mortals differ the neophyte is inclined to be too fast or too slow he works somewhat in the dark and sometimes out of season he would replenish his lamp at the midnight hour and borrow oil of the more provident watcher God is the fountain of light, and he illumines one's way when one is obedient. The disobedient make their moves before God makes his, or make them too late to follow him. Be sure that God directs your way, then hasten to follow under every circumstance. And, and also what is in the Bible about a word spoken in season, right? Proverbs, I think. If there is a right time, and and if you say it too soon or too late, it it will not have the effect that God intends. Thank you, Florence. It feels really good when you're right on. (laughs) When you're right at the right time. It does. So have we covered born, die, plant, and pluck up? Well, I have, I have something to add to that plant and to pluck up. What I did was look through Strong's and looked up these words plant and pluck up. And plant means to establish and pluck up, to root up or cut out. So I, I found a couple passages which Jesus spoke. Um, Matthew fifteen thirteen. Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. And he also, he goes on in Matthew thirteen forty-seven. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind, which, when it was full, they drew to shore and sat down and gathered the good into the vessels, but cast the bad away. So shall it be in the end of the world, the angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from amongst the just and shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Thank you. That is perfect. Thank you. You see how Luann had a method to her madness. (laughs) 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 With these questions, bringing what does Christ say about all this? 
it's pretty amazing how it just it just flowed and it just came to me when I just really sat down and it was quiet and what I, what I did basically is go through it all and then wait to see what it it brought. I didn't just like jump in with my own thoughts and, and reasoning. So it was a it's a good thing to get that saying of Mrs. Eddie's. It just it just came and and flowed. So as I worked on this, I, I wrote down each each verse, and then I looked it up in Strong's to find the meanings of the words, and then I tied in passages from what Jesus said about these. That's, that is wonderful. That was, that was really studying this. Mm-hmm. Jesus also uh, has the John 3 where he tell, talks about it's time to be born, when you're born again. He's talking to Oh, you. good. Uh, I should have looked that up faster. But I, I love that because I think of the movie The Chosen when uh, he's talking with um, thank you Nicodemus and what a wonderful scene that is. oh my gosh it's one of my favorite scenes okay John 3 7 uh, marvel not that I say unto you you must be born again and then says the wind bloweth where it listeth and thou hearest the sound thereof but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth so is everyone that is born of the spirit and then, of course, Nicodemus says, how can these things be? And Jesus answered and said, uh, well, he actually, he says, aren't thou the master and knowest not these things? I forgot about that yeah. part. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he says that you have to be born of the Spirit. And I just, uh, it's like one of my favorite scenes. It's so beautiful. And that's, yeah, a beautiful interpretation of being born. And then, and then so that's your, Mrs. Eddy says, when you come into Christian Science, that's the time of your real birth, um, and of course the new birth is beautiful. What she wrote, and so then, and so then, what is it that dies? I think we talked about that. Wrong concepts. Thank you. That's that's what dies, and that's all that ever dies. Your false beliefs die, whether here or hereafter. It's a process of pruning yourself of those false beliefs. Thank you. That was a very important part of this. So we want to make sure. We I noticed that um, Luann put part one. <laughs> so, um, we weren't sure how long this was going to take, so we just put that there just good, so people yeah. would feel they had time to. Yes, because we want to get everything we can from this. So I don't know who else. I wanted to say as far as pluck, in John 10, 27, 49 he says my sheep hear my voice and i know them and they follow me and i give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand my father which gave them me is greater than all and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand and i really like that thought like the plucking is not up to me or (laughs) anyone else they'll take care of it that's wonderful thank you so who else? This goes on endlessly. Really good <laughs> he has thing. a lot of stuff. I was. <clears throat> you know, I, I wanted to say one other thing, actually, about season. I didn't know how to work it in, but I just, I didn't, I never noticed this before studying for this. And Luke 4, uh, verse 13, after Jesus faces and overcomes the temptations, it says, and when the devil had ended all the temptations, he departed from him for a season. Hmm. I just thought that was very contrasting. Yes, yeah, there is references. There's references to that in um, Revelation, too, about the, the red dragon being around for a season. Um, so it's, it's interesting that, that it comes for a while. Um, I found maybe this doesn't relate, but this helped me a lot once a long time ago. It, it was um, someone, a commentary, they were writing about wisdom, but it, it was about friendships. Because sometimes I would puzzle, you know, about friendships. said there are three kinds of friendships. The first, for a reason. It appears as if it's God sent, comes to you for some reason. Yeah. And we all have friends, right, that come 
God sent. And then, and then for a season. And for a season is usually defined by your um, external circumstances. You know, maybe people you knew at school or where you lived in a certain t- place. Um, or worked with in a job. Or yeah. And maybe you could. Neighbor. Yeah, neighbor. You could keep up with that friendship or not. Both, both of these you could keep up with or not. Sometimes it just, they fade away. And then the other is, is the lifetime friendship that lasts forever. And Mrs. Eddy, in retrospection and introspection, she says, there are no greater miracles known to earth than perfection and an unbroken friendship. Wow. That always is, whoa. So I, I sometimes think about that because in, in this church, you know, a lot of, when people have left the church, some of them I don't ever hear from again. That saddens me. And then I think of this and, well, it came for a, a reason or a season. Yeah, a season. And um, a true friendship can never be broken. And it should be greatly valued. So, anyway. Thank it, you. <laughs> yeah, it helped me kind of sort my thoughts out. Maybe it would help someone else. I'd never thought about that before. But it's true, isn't it? It's true. It is true. Very true. I kind of liked thinking about Jesus going to get the disciples and he said, come and be fishers of men. To me, that was sort of a kind of planting. They were going out to do, uh, help him. Absolutely. Yes. Yep. Yes. It made me realize how bold Jesus, I mean, so amazing. Oh, tremendous. I mean, he just covered everything. <laughs> he did. He did. Yeah. He did. Luann is showing us that. Yeah. yeah. Shall we go on to the next one? Is everyone, because everyone has such good ideas. If anyone has anything more. <laughs> well, I was going to say one more thing about being born again, because there's this concept of being born, about being lifted up and carried away. And being born into the spirit, it's releasing all the things that would weigh you down. So you were talking about some really wonderful things, but none of this is heavy. It's all enlightening. So, Thank you. And I guess just one other is also in Matthew 13 with the tares and the wheat, and that's the sower and the seed, isn't it? And that's the planting and uh, some of the seed. And various types of grounds. Yes, and some did not take root and was plucked away or blown away. Well, some sprung up quickly and died quickly. Among the thorns. Mm-hmm. So much for human enthusiasm, which comes and goes very quickly. Yes. Are the thorns, the thorns of materialism. And then the good seed, the good ground. It also makes me think of the way when you're supposed to go up the mountain and they want you to come back and help them, but you can't. And you have to you kind of have to leave your pluck baggage. it, leave the baggage. Yeah. Yes. And you know, sometimes you have to pluck people out of your life because <laughs> they pluck themselves. They pluck themselves out. Actually, that's actually <laughs> better. God plucks them. God yeah, plucks God them. plucks them out. That's a better way of putting it. When you when don't it. Want them all. If it when they become obstacles and burdens, that's what happens. Go ahead, Florence. No, too heavy, they fall by their own weight. So leave you alone to go on. Yes. Mm-hmm. And a rebuke is plucking out a wrong concept yeah. in your thought. And that's really tough love, which is, you know, people always want the nice Soft love, <laughs> but tough love is the hardest <laughs> to give. But it's big blessing. That's the greatest That's right, blessing. The, the legitimate one. <laughs> <laughs> they want what they don't need. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They need what they don't want. That sounds like a calendar stick. <laughs> <laughs> That's from, from Nanny McPhee, the movie. <laughs> Nanny McPhee, she said that when you want me. 
when you when you want me, I won't be here. But when you don't want me, but need me, is when I'll come. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, so it is with truth and other things. Okay. Go ahead. If I may, just I wanted to say something about time. There's been a lot of demonstrations and testimonies from members of this church on how they pray before they leave their house, how they pray about what to do in certain circumstances. And um, that is the, the right motive because I've done it myself. You know, when should I leave? When should I go? What time should I have this appointment or that appointment? And that demonstrating um, God's time. And I just, I just wanted to mention that because this church definitely demonstrates that and many, many other things, too. Thank you. Yep, that's right. Thank you. Only God's time, right? God's time, God's timing, and... And God's purpose. Uh And you can't push it or plan it. Or procrastinate. Or procrastinate. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) Luanne. We're five minutes of 11 here. You, you, get, you want to do one more? Sure. Well, I don't, we don't have time to do one more, but we can... We can start it. We could start it, or we could just, if there's anything more to say for this first one. Um, okay. Do you have anything more, Luann? Um, no, I don't. Mm. I don't know. Okay. I'm having so much... <laughs> it is fun. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we can begin the next, then, if you like. Okay. A time to kill and a time to heal. Now, I looked up these two words, kill and heal, and I found sacrifice and restore. Mm. Mm, that's good. And a time to break down and a time to build up. I found break down means pull down or throw off, and build up means to lift up fortify, strengthen, or cause to continue. Wonderful. And, and of Go course, ahead. what is it that dies? Go ahead. Go ahead. And what is it that dies? You mean that gets killed? What is it that can be killed? False belief, mortal mind. Yeah, Mrs. Eddie says it's a false material sense that dies. And isn't that, isn't it the destruction of false material sense that does the healing? Yes. Yeah. Because God's, God's creation doesn't need to be healed. It's already perfect. But our vision, our concept of things, is what needs to be healed. And it's healed by killing the false material sense. And that's what Jesus did when he healed the man in the synagogue with the withered arm. He put off the false material sense of it, and the arm was restored. And was restored. Exactly. Jesus held in science the perfect man. Appeared. Sinning mortal man. <laughs> to sinning to sinning mortal man, to mortals. <laughs> Go ahead, Florence. No, really that's all that's all dying all the time because the truth never dies. So it's like the shadows or the the cloud, the thick clouds moving away so that the sun that's always there will be seen. So it's Always the same, because the false beliefs falling off, dying, being killed, and the truth being revealed and, and realized. That's the process. Thank you. This article on belligerence says about this. <clears throat> that same Jesus on another occasion gave this command to his disciples. I don't remember this quote, but it is in the Bible. Let him that hath no sword sell his garment and buy one. He said to Peter once, when the impetuous apostle 
would have fought to defend his savior from arrest by the Roman officers. Put up thy sword, for he who takes the sword shall perish by the sword. Yet this very Peter was included among the friends to whom Jesus gave such a warning of the need of warlike weapons in the evil days which were upon them. This clearly indicates that Jesus believed there was a time for fighting as well as for a time of praying. Somewhat in the spirit of the declaration in the book of Ecclesiastes, there's a time to kill and a time to heal, a time of war and a time of peace. Now, this article was written in November, the 1887 issue of the Christian Science Journal. Mrs. Eddy was still around. And we know her article, Put Up Thy Sword, in miscellaneous writings, speaks to this too. Um, there is a time. We don't like to talk about fighting, but sometimes you've got to fight like hell, right? Sure. You'd prefer to be in that peaceful, blissful state of, what's it, for in, what's the word, burnout? You know that word? Oh, nirvana. 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 Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Utopia. Yeah. Utopia, yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but sometimes you've got to fight like hell. Well, and the and it appears that false beliefs don't go away peacefully. No. They are tenacious. They do put up a fight. We've had it in our lesson, David the King. He many wars. He actually accomplished much. And then his son Solomon started out well, but that got overwhelmed by materialism, so-called peaceful times, and he didn't end up well. Hello? Yes. Um, doesn't it refer also to just this, the, like a state of uh, mortal thinking that there has to be war? Because like the prophet, the prophecy about the the lion and the lamb dwelling together and so all humanity, it talks only about peace. So can it just refer to a kind of, I guess we'll say a mortal state of life where we haven't learned peace and when we don't uh, know how to just live with all of the beings together in peace. So yes, then there will be a time of war like we are having and have been having. But I um, believe if we don't think it this way, they're not canceling that beautiful prophecy about the lion and the lamb dwelling together as something possible, as something that is absolutely um, attainable. Yes. And when we have killed all false mortal beliefs, that is what will happen. Yes. Right. And that is so when, when they are saying a time to die and a time to kill and a time to have time to kill and a time for war, they, they're talking about this mortal life that, uh, yeah, we won't have without divine signs. But those are the degrees. The degrees. You know, we, we need to think about the first, second, and third degrees. And I think that tilts the information about um, putting up the sword. Because, of course, we're approaching the third degree when we do put up the sword. But we have to be aware so that we have to be uh, vigilant about maintaining and protecting the truth. Thank mm -hmm. you. Yes, and and when we uh, and, and we can pray for this time and uh, and this peace collectively, but also by getting closer and closer to that divine truth and living it, uh, meaning keeping the commandments, not killing other beings, all all these things, then we can we can and I'm sure you all live it. We can completely leave it right now. It is attainable right now for those that choose to be closer to God, keep all the good laws. And I'm just saying this because it is attainable for those who love God. 
you're, yes, you're right. And that's why Mrs. Eddie yeah. said one side there will be safety yeah. and peace. Peace. So it is mm-hmm. a painful, even through if you're we're in the middle of warfare, individually it is obtainable. Yes. Absolutely. It's a state of consciousness. And a really good article to study is Mrs. Wilcox's association address on war. Um, she says just what um, I guess it was Ingrid who just said that um, war is purely the result of the belief that creation is material. But we <clears throat> science know that all creation is spiritual, consisting of the sons of God with one mind. And the Bible says there was war in heaven. Since there can be no war in heaven, harmony, the word heaven here is unquestionably used to indicate the realm of thought. And sometimes there does seem to be a great conflict or war in what is ordinarily called human thought. Every problem which confronts us is wholly wrong thought. And all that can ever be done to the problem must be done in the realm of thought and our own or in our own thought. So this is where the healing takes place. And this is why Mrs. Eddy says to stand porter at the door of thought. So that these false beliefs don't get a foothold. But if they do, then the warfare with oneself is grand, right? <laughs> you can turn on too. Right. Yes. And I, I would like to share with you that I tell uh, many times probably a week people that um, you wonderful students of the science of Christ say that every problem is a problem of what I respectfully refer as unreal magnetism not to get the animals involved in such a thing and uh, that's what you were saying now but I, I just wanted to share I do share that with people that you say that every problem is a problem of unreal magnetism not handled, and it has helped a lot of people. So thank you guys for all the blessings. Well, thank you, Ingrid. You're welcome. Thank you. So we can continue. This is very interesting. We'll yeah. continue another date. Yeah, this is excellent. Yeah. Is she on before the summer, or do we have to wait till the May. fall? It's oh, May. okay, good. Very good. All right. <laughs> Be here okay. before we know it. Thank you very much. Thank you, Lou. Thank you. Thank you. And everyone. Thank you.